This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor 117 Algot. <laughs> you, I saw your reaction to that. You're like, oh my goodness, 117 episodes. Yeah. And on this podcast, of which there are 117 episodes, <laughs> um, we talk to and about actors, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, producers, and anyone else involved in the entertainment industry and package those up into... Uh, this 117 episodes uh, worth of a pot. How many times can we say 117 in this? 117 in this times. I think that's the uh, challenge. That's the goal. That's, that's the, the challenge. challenge. <laughs> Meow, do you, not, do you know why I pulled you over? Uh, and then put it on the internet for you. Yeah, and we're we're two dudes um, with 117 episodes, but we don't we don't um, we don't necessarily sit here and think that we have the answer. The whole reason we started this podcast is because we wanted to explore all the different answers there are. Mm, so if you hear I something like on the it. show and you're you're thinking, you know what, that answer doesn't really jive with my answer, and you want to chime in, we love listener dissent, listener comments, listener opinions, listener voices on the podcast. So feel free to email us or call us or whatever us. Uh, starting with our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And uh, on this episode, we've got a couple of emails, some interesting things to talk about, a great listener pick of the week as well as ours, and of course, the third and final part. (laughs) We have to say goodbye to the X-Man himself, Mr. Tony Horton. So hello, hello, AJ. Sam. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's been uh, it's been a battle. There is apparently a very bad um, I don't know air quality issue happening in Los Angeles right now. Like really high pollen or something like that. Um, I, I started getting really bad allergies last week, oh, and wow. the only reason I'm mentioning that people are like, this is not a medical podcast, uh, I mention it because it, it was scary going to the theater thinking I get to sing like, you know, high right, A's yeah. and stuff in this show with, you know, allergies, and then I show up and the other tenor one also is having the same allergy issue. One of the bases is having an allergy. I'm like, okay, it's not just me. Wow. So something's going on, but... um you know, push through lots of water, some, uh, you know, uh, antihistamines and, and, you know, tea and vitamin C and did it work out? Yeah, it was fine. Like I think, um, uh, there's this amazing thing that happens, uh, when your body produces adrenaline because adrenaline is good for a whole ton of different things. And one of them is like it, it's like this snake oil for me anyway, just like cures everything that's like 
going wrong. So I think the sort of nervousness of about to be on stage kind of fixed it. Right. right. Um, so if you can hear a little stuffiness in my voice, uh, listeners, that is, that is what that is. So anyway, I I know it's a weird thing to talk about during a catch up, but I, 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 that's sort of what's on my mind because I keep waking up sneezing. <laughs> okay. Wow. You know, that's, it reminds me of the time that uh, I did that musical group and we both know uh, Michael Hansen, one of the actors in there. And one time he lost his voice and we were about, I think it was like opening night. And uh, he was like, the show must go on. And you know, he's supposed to sing in this show yeah. and he couldn't even talk. And that was an experience, man. Kudos to that guy for, for making it happen. I mean, obviously it wasn't what it could have been had he been healthy, but he went there and he just basically was like, okay, my character just doesn't have a voice today. <laughs> and he made it happen. It was awesome. The only other thing that I really want to talk about in terms of a catch up is, um, our former producer, Nelson, yeah. um, was in town this weekend and, it was a beautiful example of just using, not using, that sounds bad, but just like called upon his relationships that he's created prior to leaving Los Angeles and then since leaving Los Angeles to set up like all these meetings and opportunities for himself. And he ended up being on a set for an entire day. I and mean, he's on vacation, but he used it as an opportunity to not only have fun, but uh, combine passion with, with, with fun, with work, with, with, you know, career building, with networking, with whatever. And, um, he, I was just so inspired that I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast because he spent an entire day on a set. He had, um, he had lunch and coffee with a a line producer at Disney. He had lunch with, uh, another like big Hollywood producer. Um, I don't know if he wants me saying names, so I'm not going to, but, um, and then he hung out with a, um, a writer of the show and that's how he ended up on set. He was on the set of that writer's show all day and got to meet everybody on set and just be a part of like what was going on. And it, it was just, it was very inspiring to, I guess, witness Yeah, because it's what we've always talked about on the podcast about this being just a relationship business because yeah. he, he does have aspirations to come back to Los Angeles and get involved. Um, with the Hollywood film industry as opposed to what he's doing now, which is sort of this, not necessarily San Francisco film industry, but you know, he's doing video production, um, and directing actually for square. So he, he's learning in this somewhat safer environment. They are up against deadlines, but it's a somewhat safer environment. He's, he's getting a ton of experience producing, directing, working with a crew, um, working on deadlines, working with, uh, you know, budgets and, and that kind of thing. And all that experience he can bring back to LA, which is what he, what he ultimately wants. And in the meantime, he's using, you know, relationships that he's built to, to continue to build those relationships and make new ones. Um, and I, I was just so thrilled and also inspired, like Everyone, anyone who's in the entertainment industry it reminds me of um, what's her name, Monique? Yeah, Tara, Monique, yeah, Tara Patterson. Yeah, yeah, who who sent us that that email um, a couple of episodes ago, where she like that's all yeah. she did was build relationships, and now she's working consistently in the entertainment industry, but on the East Coast or in the South, it's like 
I don't know. Anytime I see this kind of thing happen, it's it's just so inspiring, and it just you know is is a is is an affirmation of all the things that we've talked about on the podcast, specifically about building and and maintaining relationships. I love that. I I love that. The more that we're in this industry, we the more that the the more true that becomes. Mm, You mm -hmm. know, like people hire their friends. That's just the that's just the way it is. People hire their friends. You yep. know, are you gonna put out a casting call or or like you know put an ad on Mandy.com or whatever it is if you're looking for uh, a DP or you're gonna go with a buddy of yours that you know does good work? Yeah. Like what's easier? You know, what's more trusted? What's the safer bet? Yeah. And who do you want to work with? Somebody you know. So yeah, the, the cooler you are, and Tony talks about that in part two, which was last week. You know, just treating people right, just being a good person. Yeah. That is that is a great way to ensure career longevity, mm-hmm. and that's so cool. I, I'm bummed I missed Nelson while he was in town. I, but I, that's so cool to hear that he's really leveraging his time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he did. He totally maximized it. So good for him. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Anyway, Sweet. those are that's sort of what's been going on. But uh, what's up with you? So I had two cool things happen since the last time we chatted. Um, number one is I went and shot that that project yes your short was, film right which was so cool man yeah and you know i i the other day i was after we had shot it the other day i was kind of hoping that some somebody who had been taking still shots or something on on set would like have posted them somewhere so i was like you know searching around the internet for like someone's got a picture or something <laughs> like that because i wanted to like you know tell my friends and family about it and um, and I came across a, a Kickstarter campaign they had put together for this project that I didn't even know it had existed. And I was looking it up and I was reading what the director, David, who's a fantastic guy, uh, what he had written about it. And, uh, I'm so glad that I did not see that Kickstarter campaign thing before I had been cast. Cause I would have been all in my head about it. Cause it was all about how important this character is to him the lead character that I played about how important it is and how he's, he's like the soul of this film. And, and it's, he's a really complex character and, and how the, it was just, it was one of those things where it's all about like this character, Grady, this character, Grady, Grady, Grady. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't see that before. <laughs> Cause I just would have been like, how am I going to live up to the, the expectations? But I went in just being like, Oh, it's a cool role and I can do it. And so it, it worked out, but Anyway, uh, so that's, was, a gr- that's a great <laughs> lesson. I feel like we should, you know, expand like expand on that uh, a little bit, or 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 at least keep it in mind. Yeah, because I, it is such a great. You know, y- you you showed up knowing that you a deserved the role, b could play it. You know, like like you said, you were totally confident. Yeah, on on set and and, and in in the role. Yeah, it was kind of end of story. I didn't, I didn't know the rest of the of the piece. You know, I didn't. All I knew was that like it was something I could do, and that I was happy to be there. But if I had known there were these expectations that had been put out to this whole Kickstarter community about how important this character is, whew, uh, anyway. But the cool thing is, I was reading that description, and I felt like I brought um, a unique version of what he was looking for to to the to the role to the project. So I felt pretty good about what I did this weekend. It's always hard to tell. I could only really base my, I could only gauge my work based on the reactions of the people on set, you know, how many times did he say, let's do it again, you know, or (laughs) whatever. Um, but it was cool, man. It was a lot of fun. Like I said before, it was a lot of physical stuff, a lot of comedy, um, a lot of, um, there was some stunt work, there was some blood, there's, there are guns and 
nails and people getting beat up. Like I got the crap beat out of me. This one, uh, basically in this, in the short, I'm being tortured. I'm in a handcuffed to a chair and this big dude, his name's the actor's name is Dom and he's been in a ton of stuff. He's always plays like the cop or the gangster. He's just a big intimidating looking guy. Sweetest guy you could ever hope to meet. But he walks into a room and you're like, Oh my God, don't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he's the guy beating me up. And I told him before we started rolling, there's a scene where he like, I'm like looking over to the side, like over my shoulder and he slaps me to bring my head around forward. And then he gets in my face and he's like me again, you know? And I told him, I was like, dude, just go ahead and like hit me. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, so don't, you know, I want it to look real. Like, don't feel like you need to pull that too much. Like, it's just a slap. Like just thinking it'd be like, you know, a slap forgetting of course that this guy is like six, five, 250 pounds and his hands the size of dinner plates. So I got slapped really hard and like, probably a dozen times like really hard and there were a couple like where my teeth clacked together and i saw white flashes (laughs) and i and and uh and then uh, well i could go on but you know there were he was connecting with a lot of the hits and uh it didn't really hurt too much and i liked it because it sold the the actual you know the actual violence and it, it wasn't like i wasn't being injured but it you know, I had some red marks. <laughs> there might have been some bruising there, but it was cool. It was cool. I was. It was. I kind of enjoyed that method aspect of it. You so rarely get to do that kind of thing. You know, be that kind of be that physical in projects like this. So, Jeez. anyway, L- so that L- was- listen up, ladies. Trevor's into S N. Okay, so we got a couple of interesting emails into the podcast. Some, um, actually, both of them, a response to things that we've talked about recently on the podcast. This one from Charles, I'm really interested um, in discussing. He heard uh, Luba's voicemail from a few episodes ago talking about minor markets. She's in Washington, D.C., he's in Washington State. But um, in Luba's voicemail, she was talking about not having a lot of support. And then we talked about that on the podcast. And. We talked about it in two facets. We were talking about the support of like people who don't necessarily get it, like friends and family. We were also talking about her not her or others in minor markets not exactly having like the industry support. Like you don't have the um, networking opportunities, the the um, uh, classes, workshops, that kind of thing for, or at least not as many of them in a minor market. Um, and I think Luba was kind of speaking to both of those. Charles kind of is playing devil's advocate a, a little bit or, or I don't know, disagreeing, however you want to say it, um, because he feels a lot of support in the sort of friends and family facet. Uh, he said friends from church and work and stuff support him and people will like, cover his shifts so he can go out on auditions. And he thinks it's because there's like a fascination because it's not as cliche to be an actor yeah, in yeah. a minor market. That was my experience in Philly too. People are like, you're making a movie. And they were so <laughs> really? charmed by it. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, okay. So you've had uh, the you can corroborate his story. That's that's great. And yeah. then and yeah, and then he just you know says in, in terms of the industry side, if you're not feeling support, I love this. He says if you're not feeling supported, do theater. <laughs> Is essentially what he says because he feels like he's b- found a community in that, found support in that, and made you know uh, relationships through doing um, doing theater. And he, he says like he doesn't love networking groups. Um, because he doesn't feel like they bear a, a lot of fruit, but doing theater has has led to a lot more opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, that was definitely my experience when I got to LA. I mean, we've said this on the show many a time, but for me, one of the big things that kept me in the game was the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble, mm-hmm. having kind of a creative home base for all those years, and a group of people that were just you know doing the same thing, and that was really essential for me. Um, just to get the support and, and feel like I was, I was, uh, that I made the right choice coming to Los Angeles. So you said that in Philly, you felt like the, that you did get the support or the sort of fascination from people because, uh, being an actor isn't as cliche. Did you, wh- how do you feel about what Luba and Charles say about the sort of industry support? Did you feel like there was places you could go, workshops, um, you know, essentially, there's such an there's such a ridiculous infrastructure in a place like Los Angeles or or, or or New York or these major markets. Like, there's an insane amount of things here for you know we call right. it. You know, yeah. there's no limit to the number of ways that an actor can write a check. Yeah. Um. But you know, did you feel like there was a lack of that, or did you just not know, or um. I- well, there it's just so, so much smaller. There's there's really like three or four main. There's only like three or four casting offices, and most of the stuff they do is like little regional commercials or like every once in a while, like a TV show or a large film will come through. Like The Sixth Sense, when that came through, it was like a huge deal for the community because it was M Night and it was Bruce Willis and and they opened up a bunch of roles to local actors and things like that. And I had some friends that went and there were extras and different scenes, and that was a big deal. But for the most part. Um, really Philly is more of like a, the, the movement there is so underground. There's a lot of little theater that happens and that's really where the, uh, the heart, I think of the, of the industry in Philadelphia is. And there's a lot of actors in there that just basically live in Philly, but go up to New York a lot to audition and, and work jobs. But, um, does that answer your question? Kind of? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. There weren't, there weren't a lot of like networking groups or cast and director work. There was none of that stuff, at least when I was there. Uh, or that I had experienced there, hmm. but um, but there is actor stuff there. Like I remember, I paid two hundred bucks or something for like a six week, once a week thing with Mike Lemon, who runs Mike Lemon Casting, and he would, we would basically sit down and he would just tell us how the industry worked, essentially. <laughs> and so I sat there with a notebook, and he just we took notes, and he would. I think we did mock auditions at one point or something, but so then there's yeah. there's a good follow up question. Then do you feel like that was accurate to what your experience is now? Like like if you were to go back and look at that notebook, would it be like this is all useless in a major market like L.A. or was it actually uh, accurate? I, I, I remember it being really new to me at the time, and I I haven't thought about it much to be honest. But I I I mean I guess it probably I think a lot of it probably was the real deal. Like, I think a lot of it was kind of applicable. It could kind of transfer to a Los Angeles career. Because um, a lot of it was terminolo- the same terminology we're batting around right now. And, and the same idea of building relationships with casting directors and things like that. I didn't know 
what a casting director versus a director versus a an agent was. I had no idea. Mm. I was like, Mike, will you represent me? And he was like, I'm, I'm a casting director, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you're doing commercials, so can you represent me? Like, it was, <laughs> I had no clue, you know? Super green. Yeah, super really super green. green. Um, yeah, I mean, I talked about this when I went to, what was it, Actor Fest one year, and I remember the questions that were being asked were a, a, about that level of greenness mm. you know people mm-hmm. raising their hand and asking like these like you know i can't remember who the casting directors were there's this casting director panel that i that i went to I, I talked about it on the podcast but like people asking questions that were just like whoa yeah yeah we talked about that clearly don't know yeah. anything like yeah which is not their fault necessarily it's just interesting because it's like how do you educate the masses. Well, you yeah. start a podcast. Well, uh, <laughs> we all got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. So, uh, the other email that we got in that, uh, sort of refers back to something that we talked about or have been talking about, not only recently, but over the course of, um, uh, several dozen episodes is, uh, comes in from Jasmine, and she sent us a link to a Huffington Post article. So it's a link about, of a Huffington Post article about a survey that was conducted by SAG-AFTRA um, to s- see if there was a discrimination, any discrimination happening against the L- LGBT community in Hollywood. What's interesting is because we've talked about this, one of the listeners who sent us an initial email talking about this as a concern, Mike Bowers, who uh, listeners will remember, he's the, one of the people that sent in the initial email that started this conversation. He tweeted the same link at us. Yeah. And you were saying it said something like, this is what I was afraid of. Yeah. Essentially, that's what he was saying. It doesn't look like there's a lot of discrimination, although everything is sort of subjective. And that's one of the things that I was kind of, uh, it was a bit of a red flag for me because there, there are questions like, I don't know what the survey looked like. Um, and they talk about the percentages in here and it says like, for instance, only 16% of the gay, bisexual and transgender respondents, however, said that they experienced discrimination. Gay men reported the most about one fifth saying that they had been discriminated against. My, my, my issue with this is how do you know? Like, I feel like it's a very subjective thing. You could have somebody who was really, um, uh, burned or pissed off because they weren't cast in something and, and they're like, oh, I wasn't cast in this role because I'm gay. Like they discriminated against me because I'm gay. Not because somebody else was like a better actor or more talented or fit the role better or anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't exactly know how the survey was conducted, but I'm kind of taking the numbers with a grain of salt. So we'll put the link on our website, but I'm curious to hear what other listeners kind of uh, think about it once they once they read it. It's just interesting that we have some like numbers to go along with something that we've been discussing on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what were your? Did you have any thoughts when you saw the art? Because I know you looked at the article as well. Uh, it's just it's just a bummer, man. I mean, it's interesting to see that they that that uh, a lot of the people. Um, I think they say that they felt like they were discriminated against off camera. Like, I guess they were brought on for their abilities, but then they were kind of haggled on set maybe a little bit or something along those lines. Um, and I don't, the article puts it much better than I can put it, but, um, I was, 
it's just sad. It's just a bummer, man, that, that we're not there yet as a society. Um, especially in this industry, which is traditionally a very forward thinking in industry. We get to change it one person at a time. Yeah, that is, that's true. I, I, I didn't mention that. That's one thing that isn't really subjective. If somebody makes some kind of like, you know, comment that's essentially prejudice or some kind of slur yeah. on set, you know, cause I think they talked about a lot of experiencing a lot of people like joking about it, like, Oh, huh, that's gay. Like it's such a, I feel like it's way too prolific in this, mm-hmm. in this culture to just make a, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say that, uh, that I mean, I haven't experienced this. Um, I've never really been as a, as a straight white educated American male. I'm not very often discriminated against in our society. So I, I don't have a lot to, to base this off off of, but I do, I do think that people are genuine, generally, genuinely pretty good. It's really like 90% of the people out there are just totally cool with it. Like they don't, it doesn't even cross their mind. It's like, okay, so what big deal moving on. But there's like that really small subsection of people that, that do make an offhand comment that kind of spoils the, the bunch that makes sense. You know, it's like one rotten apple kind of thing makes the whole basket full bad. That's yeah. I think that, I think the bigger issue is the sort of acceptance of it in that I, th- I think that people like that's 10% you're talking about. I, I, I don't, I mean, we're making up numbers, but the, the people who make those comments don't always necessarily think that they're making a inappropriate comment like it's yeah. so prolific and so accepted that they, they they they'll say something and then it's inherently sexist or prejudiced and they don't get that that that's what they're doing right does that right. make sense yeah um i i hear it a lot not just in professional situations but just in general i hope that i'm aware of it and that if I were to do it, I would catch myself or something, or mm-hmm. if I were to hear someone else doing it, I would catch that. Um, but I, you know, it's, it, it says that ha- nearly half of the, the, the people surveyed said that they had heard producers or directors make anti-gay comments while working yeah. on set. So they only surveyed only, I mean, 5,700 people is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sag after is larger than that. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, 5,700 people responded to the survey. I, I wonder if they, they must have only surveyed people who were publicly LGBT declared. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, th- there's a lot that isn't written here that I would like to know, but it's, 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 it's part of the, conversation that we've been having and so i thought it would be uh we thought it would be great to to bring it up again on the on the podcast yeah yeah absolutely well um it's i think this is going to be an ongoing conversation and hopefully it gets more more pleasant to talk about as time goes on but um thank you jasmine and thank you mike for kind of bringing it back into this the spotlight um even if it's for not the best reasons it's always a good thing to just get into the public kind of dialogue just so that you know, awareness is kind of the, 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 the best medicine, I think, when it comes to this stuff. So <laughs> Great quote. I, <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, great. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's roll into uh, the interview, yeah? Let's do it, yeah. All Part right, three. Awesome. Part three with Tony Horton. 
Man, gotta say goodbye to the X Men. Yeah, so enjoy this, guys, and we'll catch you on the other side. I want to talk about kind of what that shift was like for you coming from uh, an experience that was, it sounds like, so rooted in, uh, not rooted in, but the experience was just one of lack, it sounds like, and then shifting to one of so much abundance. How has your, hmm. how has your mindset uh, shifted or adapted or what have you come to believe now about the way the world works or the universe if we want to get out there with it that you just didn't believe before? Well, I had a I had a pretty long process, you know. You look at you look at some folks that get that get fame and fortune early, and maybe they're not sort of mentally or emotionally really ready or prepared for it. It comes too soon, and so there's a greater likelihood for some folks like that to kind of blow it. Right? Mm. I didn't get my success till my forties. I mean, mm. I had I gra- I did you know I wasn't hand to mouth anymore. I wasn't doing mine with the peer anymore. I wasn't borrowing money from my parents anymore. I wasn't you know collecting twenty five dollars so I could eat Cheerio and yogurt anymore. That was stage one. I had the wherewithal to survive, and that was cool. And then the next stage was you know oh a better gig, meeting new people, reading self help books, going to self help seminars. You know whether it be really you know I went to seminars just for relationships. You know how to be a decent man for, to a woman. You know what I mean? Getting my head out of my ass and not just chasing, you know, chasing... Tail. Tail. Thank you. <laughs> Tail was what we're looking for. And, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so there was a lot of that going on. And, and, and I was in Southern California, so this was kind of the way it was. And, I, you know, I just realized that doesn't serve me anymore. i got to grow up. You know, I, I've got to consume information uh, that allows me to be a better person, be a better actor, be a better performer, be a better trainer, no matter what, what it was. And this comes from a guy who was a crappy student. You know, I was a terrible student. But, I, you know, at some point you got to figure this crap out or it's just it's just going to go downhill. And I didn't want to go downhill. I wanted to go uphill. I wanted to get better. I wanted to get smarter. I, I wanted a better life. I wanted, I wanted nice things. I wanted a nice car, not a broken down car. I wanted a decent home. These are things that I think almost everybody wants. But how do you get there without screwing it up so you lose it, right? Hmm. And so it was a series of, of, it was stages, you know, it was that broke survival stage with a bunch of different gigs. And then there was that regular uh, job as a PA and, and training some people. So I had the PA thing and then the, the training thing and then didn't have to do the PA thing anymore. Now I was pr- pr- pretty much a trainer. So that's like stage three. But now I'm a trainer performer where I, I've got gigs for, for uh you know, for this TV show and for Nordic track. And then from there, you know, everything was just in the right place. I mean, think of those different stages before I met Carl Deichler. So when I met Carl Deichler, sure, I was a little bit nervous that first time we did Great Body Guaranteed. It wasn't like I had so much experience that I just got in there and knocked it out. But I was young. So, Mm -hmm. but I had the look and I had the routines down. I knew how to create a routine and that was pretty easy. And the beautiful thing about, you know, about shooting DVDs, if you screw the first one up, you do it again. I'm not doing live theater here, you know. Mm And, and I was with the right people. I had really encouraging, smart, good producers, good directors who really liked what I did. And they said, you know, try it this way. And I was always open to suggestion. I was never trying to think. I never thought that I had all the answers. That was another thing that really, really helped for me. And a lot of it was luck. I mean, there were, there, I mean, for every 100 companies with ideas that are trying to sell something, 99 are gone and, and the hundredth one doesn't survive ten years. I mean, it's an absolute fruit, uh, uh, fluke, 
freak fluke. Oh, whatever. whatever. You can tell. I, man, I've been working all day. I know. It's probably sound like I have the lowest energy in the world. But, I mean, um, and that's, uh, that's just the way it was. And so the, the next stage was I didn't have to be a, a personal trainer anymore. I didn't have to drive all over town. I, I could actually uh, keep doing, working with Beachbody. got a contract with them. And I still do side gigs, and I got these speaking speaking engagements. I had never done a, a speaking a, really. Oh yeah, speaking engagements. I, I would say uh, you know a good portion of my uh, side income is. I mean, I did an event for Johnson and Johnson in, in Phoenix. I did an event at the Omega Center in Upstate New York. I've been to thirty six military bases around the world. Motivational uh, speeches, mm-hmm. motivational. Yeah, they're motivational speeches. They're 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 based in health and wellness and fitness. Because you know you've got a lot, you got a huge fan base, and they want to know what you want to know right now. How did I get there? So usually when I get up on stage, I say, "Hey, look, you know, you see me up here. I'm pretty fit. I'm 55. I can do some pretty fun stuff. So I'll do a handstand and I'll do some crazy physical thing, and I'll say, and that's just fun and easy. I couldn't do it in my teens, my 20s, and my 30s. And let me tell you how I got there. Let me tell you how I continue to do this. And it's basically made up of of these. It depends on the length of the seminar, but it's either right. six things or 11 things, depending on how much time I have. If I have a, an hour, I make it six, and I stretch it out. If I have an hour and a half or whatever, 90 minutes, I do the whole 11 laws. <clears throat> and so people learn what I know in the course of an hour, an hour and a half. Um, you know, you need variety in your fitness. You need to be consistent because if you're not, you're not going to get better. You need, you need uh, to have a certain amount of intensity to be outside your comfort zone because if you're in your comfort zone, you're going to stay where you are. You know, if mm-hmm. you keep thinking you can do the same things over and over to a different result, well, then, you know, you're going to get stuck. You need a plan. What's your plan? What is your plan? Because you can't wing it. I winged it for years, and I, you know, I was moving like a snail. Once I figured out what I wanted, and I stuck to my plan, then I, I, I was able to move forward. Who do I got to call? Who do I have to email? Who do I have to meet? How many, you know, how many new headshots do I have to get? You know, I, oh, I got to get in the horn with my agent and just stop. I'm not going to wait for them to make to call me. You, I'm going to call you. What do you got for me today? And if they don't like that, well, screw them. Get a new agent. You know, there's agents every freaking 10, 10 feet in this town. You know, your agent isn't God. And I, I, I made that mistake. I had an agent just recently. I had him for, for five months. They had their shot. I go, you're done. You're done. Hmm. I'm not going to wait for you. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm trying to build my brand. My phone's supposed to be ringing. You're supposed to be so special. You ain't doing it. Let them go. I'm not going to tell you who it was. They know who they are. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> you know. So I'm asking him after we stop recording. <laughs> I'll let you know. You know. So wow. so that's it. You know. I mean, there's a great expression. I don't know. Somebody told me I came up with with it was, uh, ask for what you want. Ask for what you want. 95% of the time you'll get it, and the 5% you don't means you weren't supposed to get it in the first place. Yeah. But, you know, I walk into a restaurant. What, what, I don't have, there's nothing on the menu. Do you have fruit back there? You got vegetables? You got some lean chicken? Put that in a plate. What you, it's going to be extra. I don't give a damn. Put it on the plate. What's going to be? What's going to be like three dollars more? <gasps> you know what I mean? Right, right. You know, like with my with my with the people that I work with, and, and as an actor, too many actors are not working because Tom. How did Tom Cruise get to where he is? Who is he special? Is he is he acting royalty? No, he's a kid who wanted it so friggin' bad that he did everything, everything crazy outside of the box, and especially right now, every single actor uh, that has any you know has creativity in the pinky of their finger. You got YouTube, you got Instagram, you got mm. you've got uh, Twitter, Facebook. You know what I mean? And there's there's a there's a movie camera inside your smartphone. Yeah. Get busy, figure out how to use the damn thing. Be unique, be special, and start putting stuff up. Make it. I mean, yeah. the, the whole gig I had all day today. This young comedian, he's got some great ideas. He's surrounded himself with good people. 
and we shot these funny bits about how he created P90X, and I just, you know, he gave it all to me. You're just the... the um, yeah, he piece. was my muse, you know, so without him, I'd be nothing. I'd still be living in a van down by the river, right? But with him, as, uh, you know, that was a funny idea, and I signed up for it. Do I get paid for this gig? No. Not every gig is a paid gig. It's not supposed to be. I've been to, like I said, I've been to 36 military bases around the world. I've done workouts at the Canadian Embassy, at the Pentagon, um, at, at schools and colleges, and a lot of them pay zero. Doesn't matter. That, what, what that is, those are rehearsals. Those are rehearsals for the gigs that when you do get paid, you can get up there and knock it out of the park. Wow. You do theater, you do friggin' mime at the goddamn pier at one in the morning so you can get your 25 bucks so you can feed your face with Cheerios and yogurt for the next three days. That's how you have to pay your dues. If you're sitting around waiting for people to give you the gig because you're so special, because you got an because you got a SAG card and an acting class, well, good. You can get lined with the tens of thousands of other punks who aren't getting anywhere in this world. So if you've got talent, people will notice, but you got to let them see it. You know, so that's that's what I did. I just did it my way. I mean, it would have been great to be you know a cross between Jim Carrey and Brad Pitt because I've got those skills. But it didn't work out that way for me. So I found my other passion. My other passion was helping people feel good, helping people lose mm-hmm. weight, helping people you know get fit. And and I got to control that. I didn't have to wait for the phone to ring. I didn't have to wait for a casting director. I didn't have to wait for my agent or my manager or or, or somebody else. I made that happen. And the beautiful thing is, you know, when you're in the service industry like that, and whether you're a masseuse or you're doing hair and nails or whatever the heck it is, everybody needs that stuff. You know, everybody needs a trainer. Not everybody. Not you know, people need some way to lose weight. There's an obesity crisis. I mean, it was easy. I, you know, it was like, you know, fishing in a barrel. It was easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and once you get one person fit, you know, a lot of people come to me. How do you start your career? Start training people for free. Why? Just get start a fit club, open up your garage door, move all your crap out of the way, put some mats on the ground, and start beating people up. That's how you do it. If you're fit and you're funny and you got your own unique thing, then uh, and then just say, hey, look, let's do a two week trial. If not, here's the price. Blah blah blah. I mean, are you happy being overweight? Are you happy eating crap? Do you want some solutions? I got them. Look at me. I can. I'll give you what I know. And people, will, you know, that's what I did. Hmm. You know, I, the first workout was, hey, let me come over. If you like what I do, great. Boom. And I have them all prepay in advance. So what's the deal? You can prepay for eight. You can prepay for 10. You can prepay for 24. The more you prepay for, the more discount you get. You pay cash. Mm. (laughs) Then I will always pay my taxes like I always have. And I will never not because that would be illegal. Right. Right. um, You know, whatever you did, you know what I mean? So, so, and it's the same thing with any gig, you know, with any, if you want to, so many people are unemployed and don't have to. They're just afraid to think outside of the box, you know. And that's that's what I did. That's really and so the powerful. final phase was developing fitness programs, and uh, and now I'm building my own brand, doing my own thing, you know, doing sunglasses and doing really? clothing and doing home, you know, Tony Horton Kitchen, which is I haven't home, seen that stuff. Well, dude, you got really cool. Yeah, I mean, if they're all they're all young fledgling businesses that don't have a lot of media behind them, but uh-huh. but they're holding their own, you know, and we're finding new ways. To, to get him to grow. Oh, that's great. I'll yeah. have to check that out. Yeah. It's cool because uh, so much of what we talk about on this podcast is the DIY aspect because there's never been a better time, I think, in history to be alive when you have all of this technology and all these opportunities to be to be alive and be in America, nonetheless, you know? Yeah. So it's so cool to hear um, your take on that and also hear that the message is do it for free because that's rehearsal for the times when you're when you're going to be getting paid for it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I know we're running out of time, so I wanted to just uh, wrap up with a couple questions. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, I'm just dying to know. Somebody approaches you tomorrow and says, "Hey, we want you in our movie with A, B, and C movie stars." You'd do it, right? 
in a New York second. Right? <laughs> All right. Without hesitation. I am waiting for it. I am waiting to see Tony Horton in a, well, in you a know, major there's feature been a, film. There's been a push. Now, I don't think I have enough Q factor to get there just yet, but there's been uh, some friends of mine that want to try to get me to host SNL. Which would be oh, a blast. Be oh, my God. You know what that'd I mean? Yeah, it'd be amazing. You're you right, it would. You should, start, you should start a Facebook group. Didn't Who, who did they get? They got somebody. It's, there already is a Facebook. I think there's like eight people on it. But, but uh, yeah. But that, that, that would be a fun way start, to do yeah, it. Yeah, you start enough. You and, start and like today's, today's, today's YouTube video with this young comic and, and, and another pretty well-known yeah. uh, internet guy. Uh, Mike Chang. So it was me, Mike, and this yeah, guy, six pack shortcuts. Yeah, six pack shortcuts. So yeah. the three of us got together. You know, I'm sort of the king of television fitness. Uh, Mike is the, was the king of of, of uh, YouTube fitness, mm-hmm. and the whole line was for Christopher to be the sort of the king of radio fitness. You know what I mean? So that <laughs> was awesome. that was the Joe Hoke. I can't um, wait to see that. But it'd be fun to do that. You know, a friend of mine's written a script called Wild Bill. Uh, Ned Farr, who's the director yeah. of P9X, you know Ned, and it's a yeah. funny, funny script, man. It's completely insane. Where I play this kind of half-witted uh, New Mexico state police, you know, uh, uh, CHP, not CHP, that'd be California, um, but highway patrolman, and uh, you know, just sort of a Barney Fife guy, you know, what I mean, with muscles. So there's sort of a weird oxymoron in there. That'd be awesome. And uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys, you know, who are bringing drugs in and heroin, and I and I and all the local cops just. You know, just ignoring it, and they're just you know the local cops are all, all like Keystone cops too, but I, but I know there's something up, and I just I solve the problem and I get the girl. It's a pretty pretty neat script. So, so it's so, like Super Troopers kind of, but yeah, but yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. But sort of a sort of a, a there's a little drama aspect to it. You know what I mean as mm-hmm. well. So it's not complete silliness. And no, so cool. you know, it's it's a, needs about a two million dollar budget. So. Uh, I think it'd be a fun thing to do. We hope to do it one day before I get too damn old. You know. Yeah. Well, I sense the tipping point is nigh. I think. <laughs> I think between the thing you were shooting today and you know inside acting. So yeah, I think yeah, we're there. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I love. I love it. I mean, today was funny. It was all improvisational, right? It was all just. Uh, uh, but it was really fun to fake cry and to fake laugh and to come up with silly moves and, and to react to him. You know, doing his thing without looking like, you know, it was just really good to go there again. You know, yeah. And uh, it was fun. That is so cool. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, so we have two questions we'd like to wrap up with every guest with. Okay. Uh, and we love asking them because we always get really fascinating answers. So the first one is, and I think, you know, I think you've, you've answered this, but I'd be curious to hear what you're going to say anyway. Do you think this this career, and when I say career, I mean your fitness work, did this choose you or did you choose it? Oh boy! Hmm. Did I choose it, or did it choose me? Oh, I, I would say, and I would imagine that most people's answers would be similar. It was a combination of those two things. Yeah, hmm. it was just a, it was a serendipitous, indeed. You know, a lot of luck. But what is luck? Luck is a opportunity meeting readiness, right? So, mm-hmm. opportunity was there. I was ready. Um, it presented itself, and so all I had to do was say yes. I could have said no. I could have pr- turned things down. You know what I mean? I mean, can you imagine Tom Petty calls you to train him? Probably some guys would have come up with some excuse that they weren't ready because they were nervous. It's a celebrity. I don't want to, you know. Right. I just jump in. You know, I mean, I, I was, I think for a lot of years I was scared often. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm always fighting the desire to say no. <laughs> you know? I always am. It's all the time. Like this, this today's podcast, I'm, I'm, I got to be in a, I got to get up. Yeah. I'm leaving yeah. tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I haven't packed yet. That makes me a little nervous, but but I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll get. I'll throw some crap in a bag. You know what I mean? Or this thing I did today. It would have been nice to have a day off. 
because I don't, you know, I'm not getting paid for either one of these things. But I understand how important they are. You know what I mean? And that's what I kept doing all the way through. I just kept on showing up. I kept on showing yeah. up. You know, Woody Allen. I don't know if he he's he's uh, gets the credit for saying eighty percent of life is showing up. You know, mm-hmm. and I think the other twenty percent is making sure that you're paying attention when you're there. Yeah. You know, and so so I I chose it because it was easy to move forward into it. It wasn't like it wasn't like I was banging my head all the way in, and it chose me because. I, I had the skill level to be able to help people. So, you know, Billy Idol chose me. Tom Petty chose me. Annie Lennox chose me. Sean Connery chose me. These people could have picked other trainers, but they picked me. So, you know, it just, it, you know, the, 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 the TV shows that I got, the jobs at Nordic Track, they all came to me. You know what I mean? I mean, I had to go on an audition, right? But why would you not? Mm. There's a job. There's some money. You got bills to pay. You go. Yeah. And, uh, not in 10 trillion years did I think I'd end up in this position where I ended up being, you know, a fitness icon or whatever you want to call me, a guru. But, but I'm here, yeah. and it's, it's a blast. I mean, honestly, my life is, is so, so, so much better than I thought it would ever turn out to be. And I've got my hard days, man. I've got, my, I've got this two-week schedule. I'm going to Long Island. I'm going to New York. I'm shooting every day in New York. I'm doing interviews. I'm meeting with the, you know, the head of uh, the NFL's Player Association to maybe create a pro- program for the retired NFL players that are really struggling. Meeting with the Army Reservist wow. General. You know, it's just all this stuff is. None of, there's no money here yet. There's no income here. But you've got to go through all this development stuff. And uh, and that's it. You know, I don't know. That's sort of a long-winded answer, but that's that's the answer. That's awesome. Yeah, the second question is if you could take everything that you've learned, all of your, you know, and all of your experience and everything that you've, uh, you know, read or experienced or gone through or learned, whether it's, you know, in your business practice, in your acting practice, in your acting classes, in your, you know, what you've learned about fitness, what you've learned from the people that you've trained, and boil it all down to one nugget of advice. Like, what is your one nugget of advice to to others? Like, the legacy that you want to leave. Like, what would be that, that nugget of advice? You know, I don't want to sound cliche, but there's certain um, themes that happen in, in everybody's life. You look at somebody like Elon Musk. Elon Musk. You know, he's got his own car company, and not too many people have been able to pull that off. He's got his own spaceship company. <laughs> you know, or you look at you look at Bill Gates, or you look at uh, Brad Pitt, or in our you know in this business. You know, who was Brad Pitt before that? You know, um, the first movie was in Thelma and Louise, right? I mean, he was just a young kid, but sure, he was good looking. Sure, he had a certain style, but I would say the one the one thing. And like I said, I don't want to sound cliche. Is what is it about you that makes you, you know, really authentic? That makes you stand out. You know, I had a friend of mine, this young kid, who was, uh, um, you know, he did P90X, Total Stranger. I met him at the beach. He started working out with me. Um, he, he was a little bit on the shy side, and uh, but he got in great shape. And he just listened to what what I was doing, and he would just beg, borrow, and steal all of it. You know what I mean? Not not to become a, 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 a DVD workout guy, just because he loved getting better. He loved improving. He loved the whole process of getting super fit. 
and I liked him. He had, you know, he was just down to earth. He didn't, you know, he he was had a great personality. He wasn't in your face. It was just something where I went, hey man, you got to come and work out with me, you know, a little bit here. And all he did was, he, you know, he, he he used me as a mentor, not not on purpose. He didn't say to me, hey, I want to, I want you to be my mentor. Can you show me the way? <clears throat> um, but that's really what it comes down to. It really comes down to making sure that you surround yourself with people who are kicking ass, because you know you are the five people you hang around the most. Mm-hmm. Right? And if everybody's sitting around on the couch watching TV, smoking crack, chances are you're gonna, you're not gonna be a rocket scientist. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so you know. Uh, the one takeaway here is, and you know, and the, and the point of that story was, now he's got a company that's come to him and wants him to do what he what he what I do, you know, in a different format, you know, through through uh, the internet and through YouTube and whatnot. Um, and I fully support that. I mean, I, you know, so the people say, well, "Don't you look at it as comp- competition?" No. Why wouldn't I want him to succeed? Why wouldn't I want a friend of mine to do really well? There are a lot of people in this country that are still st- struggling and still overweight and still need help. And I can't do it myself. But more people are going to run into him, see his style, see what he does. And so he was a out of shape kid who bought a program off of TV, and now he's going to have his own web web thing, you know. And that could develop into anything. It could develop into a TV show. It could develop into a you know, his own workout DVDs, who knows what it'll develop in, into. And it's because he was humble and and because he was, you know, he did more listening than he did talking. And he found himself a mentor that helped him, helped him progress. So, you know, for the act, young actors and actresses out there, um, you know, don't be afraid to work for free. That's just rehearsal, man, to make you better. And don't, and, and find some people in your life uh, that are doing it right. And, uh, and find a way to ask for their help. And a lot of times they're going to turn you down because really successful people, they're busy, they're crazy, they got their own thing going on, and you're going to get a lot of no's. But, uh, you know, I mean, you guys asked. Here you are. You're in my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I said, ask for what you want. 95% of the time you'll get it, and the other 5% you weren't yeah. supposed to have it in the first place. So, uh, yeah. Wow. You wow. Go. You know, Tony, I have to say... Um, uh, one of the things that I really uh, admire about you <clears throat> is my hair. Is your my dashing, fabulous, flowing, gorgeous? Your, I do not dye it, and if somebody brings that up again, I will go to your home and beat you. I was going to say color on my freaking hair. I was going to say your, your my balls. I was going to say your calves, but you know my uh, my my. <clears throat> My stepmom passed away a few years ago, and at the service, everybody said, everybody who got up and spoke said, you know, the one, the really wonderful thing about her is that she always had time for people. Mm. You never, ever felt like you were rushing her or that she had somewhere more important to be or anything like that. And, uh, that really stuck with me and it was, it was a, a really special part of her. And through the videos that I've seen of you know, YouTube clips and things, interviews with you and things like that. I've always gotten that sense about you, but it's really wonderful to sit down in your home and, uh, you know, for an hour and a half, we've been chatting hour and a half plus and you, and you haven't once, it's just really wonderful to, I haven't once looked it up at that clock. clock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I have no idea that it says eight forty two. Well, you know, it just, it's just really wonderful. (laughs) And I think I, I wanted to say it here on the show because I want people to, um, get that I think that that's a really huge part of success as well and of living a good fulfilling life you know no matter what your calling is and it, it uh it's definitely pretty awesome and it's something it's a big thing that I had that I had been taking from just kind of following your career kind of on the periphery but now sitting across from you I'm definitely taking it in a much more tangible way so thank you for that my pleasure yeah you know and, and just to finish I think 
the ultimate goal here is to be happy. You know, it's in the Constitution, mm. the pursuit of happiness. And uh, and so, you know, notice when you're stressed out. Notice when you're, you are you feel like you're, you know, you're not really present. You're not really in the moment. Um, because, I mean, life is too damn short, man. I can't believe I'm 55. I'm going to be 95 in 15 minutes, you know. So while I'm here at 55, I'm with you guys. I'm about this. I'm about helping people. That's fun for me. That's inspiring for me as well because I know there might be a nugget or two in here. That people are going to take away and go, you know what? 80% of what he said was crap. But I'm telling you, man, that 20%, that's magic for me. Mm-hmm. So so that's what it's about. And, and I'm very fortunate. I mean, you know what it's like to have somebody come to your house and ask you about you? I mean, that's, you know, it's, everybody wants that that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, and hopefully half the things that I've said have been able to help people. And, and, and that's, uh, I mean, whatever. I, I, it's... Uh, get to bed get up i can sleep on the plane you know i just know that this is going to help some folks and as a young actor i really struggled and i didn't have this information mm. when at that age didn't have it you know what i mean so you don't have to i don't have to be standing in front of you to get it you know we've got this modern technology that allows us to be able to communicate with lots of people in a brand new exciting way and uh and that's that's a good thing that's a cool thing and so that like you said earlier in, in our conversation there's so many means and ways in which to help people, and uh, I'm just glad you guys were able to be here tonight. And I want to thank you for you know for having me on, and uh, and I want to thank all our folks that are listening in, and and, uh, and you know just keep plugging away, man. You know, do it. Find out if you love acting, great. Find that other thing. What's that other thing? Because the two of them might come together to create another career, or you might be able to drift from one to the other. But either way, the goal here is to be able to do something with you, that you have a lot of love for and a lot of passion for. Wow. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it then. (laughs) There's no other way to go out on that. Thanks again, Tony. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure, boy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the bookends. Back to just me and AJ. Uh, I hope you dug you're, this, this. You're so sad to say goodbye to Tony that you're like sad that you're talking. I know. You're like, it was a, we have to say yeah. goodbye to him and now it's just me talking. It was it was a bummer. And you know, it's because the guy is so personable. He's, he just, he gets it, man. He gets, he gets, he's, he is famous and successful and, and all that stuff for all the right reasons. And it just, when you talk to him, you feel like you've known him for a long time. Even if you haven't been doing his workout programs and all that stuff, which obviously I have, but... Um, if you haven't, I still think that if you just met him at a grocery store or something and you started talking to him, he's one of those guys that can just put you at ease. He comes from the right place. He's just all love, all empowerment, all, all the good things in life that we all should aspire to be. And, uh, it's just so awesome to experience that when you're a fan of somebody's work, you know, like I've met a lot of people where I've been like, Oh, I like your work. And then they're total dicks. Yeah. And, uh, he gets it, you know, he gets that. That's just, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, P O T dubs. Um, so my pick of the week is, um, it's a little bit of a journey. Follow me. Uh, so NPR slash KPCC, which is the local NPR, Love uh, NPR. Uh, yeah. affiliate here in, uh, in LA, they have this, um, show called take two and take two usually just talks about global news political news uh that kind of thing but recently they have been doing a segment called odd hollywood jobs oh cool 
cool. Yes. So they they spotlight a different Hollywood job, and it's only like six or seven minutes long, uh, and they interview someone who has that job in the um, entertainment industry. So the most recent one, for instance, was Gaffer. How many times have you seen Gaffer in the credits of a film and you didn't know what the hell it was? Uh, they have Looper, Set Teacher, mm-hmm. Costume Designer, Music Supervisor, Science Advisor, Dialect Coach, Military Liaison, and U.S.-China Film Ambassador. Wow. Yeah. So those wow. are the ones that are already up. There may be more. Those are just the ones listed underneath this article, uh, and they may have more to come. But I just thought you know, it was such an awesome opportunity to educate ourselves as actors about the other jobs in the industry because you know when you show up on set if you know if you if you get introduced to somebody or you meet somebody and they're like oh you know i'm the gaffer you can be like oh my gosh thank you so much for making me look good Mm, because a mm -hmm. gaffer's job is to they supervise the lighting so I, i i just i really appreciated it i also appreciated how um, passionate uh, the people were that they were speaking to. Um, we'll go ahead and post the link to the uh, Gaffer one specifically. Um, and then if you go to the bottom of that article, you can also see the other, um, you know, odd Hollywood jobs. So I guess my pick of the week is odd Hollywood jobs, um, which is not really a thing. It's part of take two, which is a show on KPCC slash NPR. Cool. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really cool. Really interesting. Because a little, a lot of times I've been like, "What? What is your job?" Not like I saw them on set just sitting around, but you know, like, <laughs> what are you like? Get back to work. I'll be like, "So that's your title, but like, what does that entail?" You know, I have yeah. no idea. So it's, that that sounds like it's fun and informative. Two good things, uh, just like our podcast, Trevor. Ha 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 ha! one hundred and seventeen episodes. I'm of slapping our my knee. Oh yeah, we're behind on the hundred and seventeen thing. We got quite a bit of ground to make up. 117, So my pick of the week is a is a, a movie, a documentary called Dirt. Dirt exclamation point. Uh, as a matter of fact, and <laughs> is it a musical? Uh, <laughs> you think it would be just by the title, but it's it's really interesting. You know, for a long time, I have been really. Uh, keen i've been really keen on the idea of starting uh just a little a little container garden on my balcony uh-huh. i just I've, i i'm really becoming interested in becoming more uh involved with my food you know and doc great documentaries like food Inc. Trevor, you can't and, date food i'm sorry uh, you can't, well whatever you don't have to be there to, <laughs> um uh, I don't have to explain my love to you. <laughs> the what forbidden love you of a man and his tomato. Would you date? Uh, I would date a red bell pepper. Really? Yeah. You no, like- well, no, I might date kale. I might date like dinosaur kale or something. Yeah. Those I two mean, are, are at least it's more big ones tr- for me. Red bell pepper. Uh, red, they're good, man. All right. Yeah? All right. All right. This could get weird very fast, but... Oh, avocados. There you go. Oh. Now it's getting good. Now it's getting good. And you? And guacamole. You? A little guacamole action. Uh, what food would I date? Oh, God. This is so weird. This is a really weird conversation. I can't wait to hear about this documentary so I can hear how far off track we've just now gotten. Um, oh, my goodness gracious. I, I really need to think of um, eggs. Eggs? Probably. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, I just really like breakfast. Brown or white eggs? Uh, don't make me choose. Brown. 
<laughs> okay. Brown. I just, I, I, I think breakfast is like by far my favorite oh meal my God. of the day. Breakfast is the best. <laughs> Ain't no other meal got no thang on breakfast. <laughs> I love how, like, definitive you were like, oh, my God, yes, of no, course, yeah, breakfast yeah. is the best. Lunch, dinner, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, this documentary was great. <laughs> we lost AJ. He's back. I, I literally had to take my headphones off because I was laughing too hard. This documentary was, was awesome. And, you know, I've been really, like I said, I've been interested in finding and just becoming more attached to food. And, and because I think we've, in America, it's so easy to go to the grocery store and be like, oh, chicken comes from the frozen food section or the refrigerated meat section. And you Blah. don't, you don't get, you don't make the connect. I mean, for a long time, I didn't make the connection between chicken and the animal and the farm and the, you know, the mm-hmm. CAFO. And CAFO um, is concentrated animal feeding operation, and that's just like the worst Ugh. thing humans have ever invented. But if you really start to make those connections, it's just like, well, I don't know. I just developed this interest in, in actually starting to grow some of my own food and starting really small with like, you know, little herbs, like maybe some rosemary or some mint, and then moving up to like tomatoes and then eventually kale, which is apparently really, really hearty, easy to grow vegetable, especially with limited sunlight like I have on the balcony here. But um, this movie dirt is all about basically how everything comes from dirt and how important it is that we really take this resource, um, seriously, you know, not take it for granted and how it's just connected. And it's a great indicator. It's kind of the canary in the coal mine of how we're doing on this planet. And it was just a really fascinating, fun, informative, well-made documentary. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was it's on Netflix Instant, so you can watch it uh, immediately if you have a Netflix uh, account. So can't recommend it enough. Dirt, and it definitely has inspired me to start composting somehow in an apartment. Mm. And I found a great article that I haven't read yet, but I clipped it to my Evernote uh, about urban composting in an apartment or like an urban environment. Mm-hmm. How to do it so it doesn't stink, so you're not attracting flies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But but actively utilizing the organic waste that I'm creating. I mean, mm-hmm. my trash can is like 90% stuff that could be composted, mm-hmm. but I just throw it in there because I don't have a compost bin, but if I'm going to start growing stuff, nature doesn't waste anything, you know? Yeah. So it's like, why am, I feel so irresponsible now that I'm aware the, uh, of this. I'm like, you can go the worm route. Yeah. Yeah. You can buy worms for super cheap. And yeah. anyway, so, um, great film. And you know, if everybody on the planet had just were, was doing even just you know a little herb garden or something i think our our planet would actually be in a lot better shape even just one little step like that and if people were all kind of composting just a little bit i think it would go a long way towards ensuring our survival over the next 50 years yeah here um i'm very interested in and in kind of growing increasingly passionate about that stuff is the more i learn about it so yeah dirt the movie Awesome. Yeah. Dirt the musical. Dirt the musical. <laughs> yeah. And you know, actually on that note, I should say there's one, there's one story that this woman they interview in the movie talks about. She says there's, this is parable essentially. And it's, there's a rainforest and the rainforest is burning essentially. And there's all these animals in the rainforest and there's huge, I mean, not actually a rainforest, I guess, but a jungle because there's elephants and stuff. So this rainforest is burning and all the animals get together and they're looking at the fire and they're just standing there watching the jungle burned down and they're terrified and they're just, but they're just standing there. Oh my God, isn't this horrible? And this little hummingbird, uh, is like, Oh my God, we got to do something. And so the hummingbird, you know, flies over to the river or the lake and grabs a little drop of water and flies back and drops a drop of water on the fire. 
flies back past the animals, back to the river, grabs a drop of, grabs a drop of water, goes back, drops it on the fire. It keeps doing this back and forth. And the big ass animals, like the elephant and the gorilla, and they're just standing there. And they're like, why, why, why are you doing that? Like, you're not making any difference at all. And, uh, and the hummingbird says like, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing something. And over and over again, he's going back and forth. And the elephant who has this big trunk and can totally make a much bigger difference finally goes, well, geez, he's working really hard at doing this. Maybe I can do something too. Mm. And then you get the elephant, which is worth, you know, 300 hummingbirds in terms of the, the effect it could have on the fire. And then he gets involved and it was just a cool story. And so, you know, on the topic of maybe even just starting an herb garden, maybe that's all that you need to do. Yeah. And the more people that see it and see how to do it and that it's probably not that difficult, you know, yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's how movements get the, started. It reminds me of the starfish story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, made a difference yeah. to that one. Yeah. If you don't know it, look it up. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. We we wanted to spend some time talking about this listener pick, but I think we're running short on time, yes? Uh, <clears throat> we have a few minutes. A few minutes to talk about yeah. this. So this is we, definitely worth talking about. Yeah, we got a listener pick uh, from uh, Lee Vang, uh, who's been just, you know, stalking us with, uh, with <laughs> listener picks. Yeah. Um, it's uh, a speech given by Kevin Spacey. Some of you may have already seen it, but he gave it at the Edinburgh uh, Television Festival, um, which I guess must have happened recently, um, August or September. That's when the Edinburgh Fringe Festival happens in August, so I'm, I'd imagine it was uh, somehow associated with that. Um, uh-huh. And it is epic. That Somebody did a great job of editing it down to less than five minutes, which will will be the link we post on our website. But he talks about... Uh, House of Cards and why they ended up at Netflix. And I almost could never, well, I know I could never say it better than he does, but if you had any uh, doubts about the future of the entertainment industry, specifically television, uh, doubt no more. Just go Hmm. watch this Hmm. speech and it is like, oh, yeah, that's it. Um... He one of the things that I find so fascinating about what he says in the speech is that the idea of a pilot season, a twenty-two, not thirty, but twenty-two minute episode or forty-five minute, forty-six minute episode, because you need to leave room for advertising. The concept of uh, a, uh, doing a pilot is as opposed to doing thirteen episodes and then just quote unquote seeing how how it goes, which is what most networks do. Um, the idea of doing a 90 to 120 minute film, all of these things are arbitrary. There are things that like the entertainment industry made up so that they could sell advertising. Hmm. Um, and so what I find fascinating about it is he said it has nothing to do with the art of storytelling. And so these arbitrary rules are now affecting the storytelling as opposed to the storytelling affecting what, you know, how the industry and the medium and whatever else responds. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it not only is means good things for us as consumers, it also means good things for us as storytellers because you know, and this we could probably trace this all the way back to like Yuri's Baranovsky's episode or Mark mm. Gant's episode, talking about like 
there's no limits to what we can do as far as the medium goes now. We just get to like make it up as we go along. So really it's all about what story do you want to tell and what is going to allow you to tell that story the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I watched the full, the full version, which is like 45 to 50 minutes. Oh, really? And you know, it, it goes on for a long time. So I was kind of doing other things. Um, so I've got to check out this kind of condensed version because I was listening to it as you were watching it earlier and it sounds like it's, it's hitting all the the good stuff, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty compelling, pretty compelling speech. <clears throat> so I think that's it for episode 117. Yeah. I think so. You just said it again. Awesome. I know. All right. Rock and roll. So we got like 97 more to go. I wasn't counting. Uh, um, so lots of different ways that you can support the podcast. If you've been listening and you're thinking, you know what? This is great. I could use more of this in my life. Uh, I really hope this show continues. I get a lot out of it. A lot of different ways that you can make sure that we keep going. Uh, first and foremost, find us online at InsideActingPodcast.com and feel free to interact with the podcast. The more people communicate with us, the more we, we recognize that people are listening. <laughs> so um, go ahead and hop over to the website. Leave a comment on one of the episode posts. Shoot us an email at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com or even give us a call. Leave us a voicemail, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. And, uh, yeah, like Trevor said, we're all over the internets, so find us on Twitter, Facebook, Actorated, iTunes, iTunes, yeah, yes, Inside Acting at all those places. Yeah, yeah, um, send us a tweet, shoot us a Facebook comment, we have a Facebook group that you can join, there's a link on our website to, uh, join up to, uh, got a couple hundred actors now that are on there just kind of sharing resources and whatnot, uh, chiming in. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for, for free. Also on our website, and uh, and then last but not least, you can support the podcast financially. And while all the other ways to interact and support the podcast are great, word of mouth is fantastic, what keeps the wheels turning on this is uh, dollars and change. So feel free to head over to our website uh, and click on the donate button where you can uh, either just do a lump sum or do a recurring monthly donation at five, ten, three, five. Or $10, I believe. And if you do do that, you become a patron. And we've got some cool stuff in store for our patrons, uh, including uh, putting your name and photo and a little blurb and all that on our special patron page. You said do-do. Do-do? If you do do that. If you do do that. Do-do. I'm sorry. I'm seven. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dirt. Um, hey So that does it then for episode one. 17. There it is again. <laughs> for, for Cesar Gamino, our technical producer. For Jen Levin, our production coordinator. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, 117, 117, 117, 117, 117, 117, 117. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VOTogogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training Four Years in a Row. Visit VOTogogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VOTogogo.com slash start.